Hola, everybody. This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is brought to you by golfguide.net. Save 20 to 70% on greens fees by visiting golfguide.net. And when you check out, enter the promo code GG, as in Golf Guide, GG Podcast. Save 5, 5% on any and every course in the Golf Guide store. Once again, golfguide.net, promo code GG Podcast. British Open recap. Let's go. For sure. Um, yeah, we're recording, by the way. Of course we are. <laughs> of course we are. I knew we were. <laughs> yes. That's why, um, I, that's why I haven't taken a sip of beer, because I needed to be available vocally. Well, cheers, my friend. To a uh, really sensational golf tournament. So the first question I'll ask to you, three majors in, was this your favorite one so far? Oh, please. Of course. Of course it was. And I've heard some people banty around and, and proclaim this to be the best major in many, many years. And it certainly is up for discussion. Um, I know you have a personal favorite major that happened um, which was right. The uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't thought about where this one stacks up, but and let's just talk about like in the last ten years where we've been you know real golf fans and actually have a st- a clear memory. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm it's not so talking easy like to forget pre our lifetime. I I mean, I'm sure there's been great ones, but I don't have any personal memories, so it's really not worth sharing. Just stuff well, I've heard from you know from other newscasts and stuff. Well, you know, there's there, there's been plenty of good majors recently that have. Uh, the only thing that's been wrong with them is that the guys who were involved in the awesome showdown weren't super cool. Yeah. yeah like, or, or maybe they were cool, but you just don't care so much. Like, if the Adam Scott uh, on Hell Cabrera thing had happened between mm. Rory McIlroy and... Uh, Saucy Rory, Mc- Rory McIlroy. Yeah, Rory McIlroy and Phil Mickelson. It would have been one of the greatest majors ever, yeah, and everybody true. would be saying it. And and meanwhile, everybody says that that major was great. But sure, nevertheless, uh, my favorite major that uh, has happened in recent history. Now, let's double check the year on this. It's the 2013 PGA. I bl- is it the, not? the Rory McIlroy win. Yes, in 2013. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty it sure it might that's... have been 2014, but I think it was 2013. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2013. Yeah, yeah. so. Whichever one that Rory might have been twenty fourteen. I'm I'm blanking out on the year, mm. but forget it. It's one of those years. For I'm not going to fact check, but it's one of those two. Yeah, the um, one that he screwed Phil over in the dark. Yeah, uh, and and <laughs> and insisted on playing up and uh, guilted everybody into making that happen. Ricky Fowler <laughs> bent over for him. That was really very compelling. Yes, um, it certainly was. Rory McIlroy was completely out of it. With about nine holes to go, mm-hmm. and then he hit that awesome fucking three-wood, five-wood, whatever it was. I think it was a five-wood on ten, nine or ten. I'm, where a, I'm a bad person to ask because I was living in Korea at the time, and I wasn't watching it live, so I only saw highlights, so I don't have a great well, contextual memory of, of that was day's the, events. That was the highlight to, to see, but mm-hmm. he hit this bullet, and he, he admitted in the interviews that he mishit the hell out of it, and he really? just ended up like five feet from like 250 yards he made yeah, eagle and anyway he stormed back and we had the compelling nocturnal drama mm-hmm. at the end of it so 
a lot of lead changes. A lot of guys could have won. They were all big names. It was Fowler. It was Mickelson. It was McElroy. There were other guys. So that that major was tremendous. Mm -hmm. I really am not sure that this one was necessarily better from a drama standpoint. Sure. But I couldn't take my eyes off of this fucking round of golf. Absolutely not. You couldn't even miss one shot of it because Mm -hmm. it was so good. And I didn't, you know, I kind of perversely, I I love Henrik Stenson. I might have mentioned the C word when I was talking about him. Well, I say we last time, but it wasn't. No, 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 because you weren't calling Henrik the human. No, no, no. We we owe the listeners. We uh, we are going to formally eat some crow. Right here, because we did bring up Henrik Stenson when we were talking about our, you know, the bets that we'd like to, or the wagers we'd like to place regarding last week's Open, and we just simply said Henrik's odds of winning should be treated like uh, a word that starts with C um, that refers to a lady's uh, a lady's bits. Well, I, I I really just said that his name should be treated as profanity on the show because he just shouldn't say it because he it's not going to happen. Say it just shouldn't even. We've, we've always loved Henrik Golfer. You've gone on record several times on this very podcast being saying that you like Henrik, but you should never ever bet on him to win. I, I love Henrik the the person. Yes. And I think he's a cool golfer, but I definitely always thought he was a choke artist. And, and historically, he has been. And he won a bunch of tournaments, but way fewer than he should have won. Right. And I've got personal scars due to him hitting various balls in the water during the FedEx Cup playoffs that lost me money. <laughs> so I definitely had a big, giant grudge sure. that I let carry over. I should have known that because he won two weeks ago, mm-hmm. that he was a really good choice yeah i know he's kind of he was kind of recovering from some injuries but i've always said uh, that recent form is one of the main things you should look at yeah, on this and stupid we, podcast we basically just and overlooked him we, we let ourselves and our listeners down and it just goes to show i, I have all the right ideas and i never know how to act on them <laughs> i can't even look at like the list of recent tournaments and see who played well oh jesus the european tour is just too far away to pay attention jesus christ well, and mickelson finished 12th last week and I would not have bet on him anyway because I did look at him before yeah. the week started, and it was a mixture of pretty good finishes mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of sprinkled in missed cuts. Well, what, what and I that was, wasn't going to do it for me. Yeah, what I thought was a little crazy is that you know, there are certain golfers that anytime they're in contention or near the top of the leaderboard, without really knowing it, I find myself pulling for them to win. Tiger being the most clear example. Anytime Tiger's near the top of the leaderboard, you know, or was at the top of the leaderboard, he's just been on no leaderboards lately um I, I find myself rooting for him you know i just i, I want to see greatness phil if tiger's not in contention throughout my whole life i've always kind of found myself rooting for phil phil is very easy to root for he smiles you know he, I mean, he's, he's a great golfer he has some of the most creative play around the greens out of anybody we've ever seen but that all being said despite how good of a story it would have been for phil to win this thing from the moment they hit those tee shots on one, I was rooting for Henrik Stenson, and I, I don't, I, I can't explain why. I just wanted to see him win, and the fact that he, I, I, I pose this question to somebody: If you had told Henrik Stenson before he teed off on one, Henrik, you have a chance to win this tournament today, but you're going to have to shoot a 65 or better. Do you think he would have said, "Okay, got it"? I don't think he would have said, "Okay, got." It. He's. Do you waiting. think he would have thought, "Yeah, I can do that"? Yeah, he would have. Okay. He's very Scandinavian. So Scandinavian. Yeah. His acceptance speech was the most Scandinavian thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Thank you so much. Uh, Safe travels home. 
he, Goodbye. Right, right, right. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's a lot funnier than than many of the other Scandinavians uh, that we see from time to time. But <clears throat> I, I had the conversation with a friend of ours, and I, I hypothesized that another X factor with picking guys who are going to win sometimes seems to be either really good or really bad shit happening in their personal life mm-hmm. because... It has a way, especially for guys who are kind of neurotic or maybe guys who underperform and, and overthink things, it keeps them from doing that. It mm-hmm. puts things in perspective. Uh, guys on the fantasy golf beat talk about baby swag, that when guys have newborns, mm. the next tournament back, they usually play really well. Hmm. Because they are kind of just distracted from, and they think that golf maybe doesn't have as much magnitude as it did before they had kids. I guess it's a folk theory. Who knows if it's backed up by by evidence? But I mean, but Dan, I, I think could, Danny I could, I could Willett. I think Danny Willett might have just had a kid or something when he won the Masters. Can anybody remember if that's the case? Uh, I cannot confirm. Yeah, so I think it was actually the case that he yeah. just had a kid. Okay, I think he might have even been. One of those stories they said, oh, he might miss the tournament because his wife is almost due. About to burst. That whole thing. So hmm. she gave birth and, uh, or maybe, I don't know, something happened with that. So anyway, um, Henrik Stenson, it was the opposite of that. Sadly, a friend of his died mm-hmm. on the Wednesday before the tournament. Yeah, he addressed it in his uh, acceptance, his know, he, victory speech. Right, and the the, uh, the broadcast was talking about it, and he had the ribbon on and everything. And I, I do definitely think there's something to it. I don't mm-hmm. know why I think that, but... Just a guy like Stenson, who is really smart and whose biggest problem has always been, you know, his putting goes away or he hits really just inexplicably bad iron shots, which are his strength. Like the simple things or the strong things are what he fucks up when it matters the most. Right. But he didn't do that this time. I mean, quite the contrary. It was just the most magnificent round of golf (sighs) you ever saw. Even his three putts were really not that bad. I mean, like he had a couple of bad lag. There putts, were three putts but, that we absolutely would have three putted from where he was. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of shitty lag putts, and then he he really gave nice runs at both of the par or uh, the uh, the second putts. Yeah, totally. So they weren't that that bad, but the the guy played so friggin' well, and you have to maybe think it's because he didn't think it was such a big deal in the immediate wake of a tragedy. I mean, there there certainly is a right answer to this, but you know. When Thursday, Thursday's first round came to a conclusion, all of us were thinking like, wow, that was an un... Like, Phil just shot 63 and came this close to shooting 62. I mean, that was one of the greatest rounds of golf we've ever seen. And because it was just in the middle of so much action, you know, I, I don't think it's been forgotten, but maybe it's overlooked a little bit just because the, the, in the grand scheme of things, everybody's more focused just on the win. But it's like, Henrik shot a fucking 63 on Sunday. That he just tied the lowest round ever, the lowest final round in a major, ever. Him and Johnny Miller are the only people to ever shoot sixty three on Sunday in a major. That is insane. And what he missed a five footer for birdie on seventeen, right? Like, and he bogeyed one. His tee shot. He on bogeyed s- the fucking three hundred and eighty yard par four first. His, <laughs> his his tee shot on seventeen was amazing. That that shot yeah. was so good. Well, okay, can I, can I bring up something with you real quick? Obviously, he was in the zone. Was he not? Yes. To say that he was not in the zone would if that's not prove the, you to be an uneducated golf fan. If, the, if he wasn't in the zone, then there is no zone. So here's my thing. 
if you didn't watch or you didn't see the part of the broadcast where the ball landed on the green, you wouldn't have thought he was playing well. Did you notice that every time he hit a ball, he just went up, put his head down, and put his club back in the bag like, ah, fuck. But he was literally so fucking good and was in such a good place, he would hit the ball, stare it up for three seconds, and be like, yep, that was fucking awesome. And then he would just turn away and put his club in his bag. But you know what? It, it wasn't like the zone that you saw from guys like Tiger. Right. Like, I do... I, there I, wasn't I, the intensity, which is well, weird. Well, I keep coming back to it. Like... This wake of tragedy theory mm. that I have that, you know, you you can't get that emotional about your golf game after you because really you can't put it out of your mind. Anybody who has grieved before when it's really fresh like that. Yeah, it just isn't something that maybe a couple of minutes go by where you don't think about it, like when you're focusing on a shot and stuff, but you just don't feel that happy. Right. And he, there were a couple of big reactions from him, like when he made the putt on 18, obviously, to, to close it out. And when he made the bomb on, I think, 15, he had a nice reaction to that. He had, he had, you to know, be fair, that putt on 15, I think that was the most excited I was as a viewer. On the, it was that, when he canned that putt on 15, that, I think was, that was the only moment during the final round where I literally jumped out of my chair being like, Jesus Christ, like, I can't believe he fucking made that. There were so th- there were probably twenty five separate memorable moments. Yeah, from totally. that group in mm-hmm. that round, which is unheard of. Yeah, it, I know that you know you, those you, tee shots they fucking hit on the postage stamp. Yeah, uh, in the final round, they were both of them put it inside so like ten solid. feet. You're like nobody else is doing that today, let alone two guys in the same group. Yeah, I mean they. You go back to that duel in the sun, and I think that their rounds were. One of them, I think Watson shot 130, and Nicholas shot 131 mm-hmm. on the weekend. Well, I so I thought I remember, well, again, I don't remember, but I remember listening to somebody reciting what their scores were on Sunday, and wasn't it something like 65, 66? I think it was 65, either, either they both shot 65s or it was 65, 66. Sure. But, so this one wasn't Oof. so much better than that. I mean, Stenson went to 63, and it really could have easily been a 61. Yeah. Without really? any kind of trouble. He had 10 birdies. Right. In a single round of and, golf. And a couple of soft bogeys. It's not like he, um, it's not like a bogey where he had to get up and down from a terrible spot. Yeah. Or where he had a penalty stroke sure. or hit at OB. They were three putts. Yeah. Uh, or just, I, f- I forget what he did on one, but uh, it was a st- one of the most magnificent rounds of golf you ever saw. I'll tell you what, though. I was rooting for Stenson, like you, mm-hmm. but e- even though it would make me look like a giant idiot on the podcast. That's okay. Uh, That's nothing new. Thank you. S- but I really, really was pained in my in my heart, and I don't even like the guy very much, but I was pained in my heart when Phil's eagle putt didn't go in. Yeah, me too. I mean, just for the sake of watching great golf, if he could have canned that eagle putt on 16 and brought so it back to, and then great. you have those guys, you know, even coming into 17, My 18. God. Can you imagine if we'd gotten a four-hole <sighs> playoff out of those guys? They both would have shot like five under. <laughs> right? Uh, we got deprived. It was just so, so good. And I'll, I'll, in our lifetime, where does it rate among best quote-unquote duels? Number one. 
Number one. Not even close. Not even close. No. Can you think of anything Nothing that's compares? Even rem- remotely close? Well, in terms of just the amount of birdies and sensational shots, um, yeah, this has to be it. But I will say, and it's because it holds a special place in my heart, that Monday 18-hole playoff at Torrey Pines between Tiger and Rocco, from an entertainment standpoint, was almost at the same level. I still give this, I still think this is the best one, especially in terms of the, the quality of the golf and the quality of like the course together just made for such wonderful theater but in terms of memor- m- memorability that tiger rocco medio rock rock blah, 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 rocco media monday playoff was sensational as well those are probably my top two yeah that that was really good but i think they both shot 71 or something yeah right? i mean it was, but keep in mind I mean, it's the u.s open where the usga is hell-bent on making the golf course completely dumb yeah <laughs> from a difficulty standpoint yeah so uh you know take that with a grain of salt but uh it's just i have to think that a duel where guys are making a bunch of birdies is just better much much more and, fun. yeah and i understand the courses are different but no this is the best one definitely you can think of moments or stretches that were comparable um a, a tournament that everybody you know a lot most people i think thought it was the best tournament of was it last year? You know, me and years. It, I I always know it's one year. It was last year. The Players' Championship mm-hmm. with uh, Ricky Fowler. Yeah, where he won? Yeah. That okay. was a really great tournament. It was. Uh, and Kisner, I believe, was the guy he vanquished. I can't, Am remember. I, I can't remember. Jesus. Um, but they both played really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that was tremendous good dueling. Um, playoff, the whole thing. We got a playoff out of that one. But... They weren't in the same group during the final round, and it you know it wasn't eighteen holes of sustained awesome golf. Right, and not only that, but like what makes this one so crazy is that never at any for a single second on Sunday was it even remotely possible that one of those two guys was not going to win. No, it wasn't really even remotely possible on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean I, they. they they outclassed the rest of the field by such a large margin. I mean, Phil was eleven strokes. Eleven clear. strokes better than third place. It's it's a major championship record. Well, and if imagine Phil had shot the same thing as the third place finisher, we would be talking about a margin of victory in a major that would be second to Tiger Woods in the year two thousand. Yeah, yeah, one of the same and greatest re- performances. And really, is almost more amazing because the quality of golfers in the world now is way better. Yeah. Agreed. than it was when Tiger Woods k- kicked everybody's well, ass. It makes me feel bad for Phil. Like, you hear that uh, stat saying that Phil's score of minus 17... Would have won in 141 out of 145 100, opens? I thought it might have been 142. Yeah. I mean, only three times has the open winner ever shot a lower score than minus well, well, how about 17 how, or whatever it was of Phil. Yeah, minus 17. Well, how about how... Like, that's fucking insane. Well, Phil's... How about Phil's stroke total uh, in this major was lower than Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods ever did yeah in a major right and that stenson's stroke total is the lowest in the history of major championship golf 264 264 i can that's an obnoxious number (laughs) if you you put me at like uh kiowa i can get up to 264 in two rounds oh absolutely it could possibly happen if i'm really just kind of injured a little bit it could happen well i i will say this and i've um this is something i didn't want to mention and that this is so good for 2016 because the first two majors of this year while they were entertaining the only things they are going to be remembered for is 
one of the greatest collapses in the history of the Masters. And that's pretty good. And the USGA screwing the pooch. Yes. I mean, this is the first major we've had all year where we can just celebrate exquisite play. And it, it feels so good. It feels so refreshing. It is everything that golf can be. Yeah. It really is. It doesn't seem like the majors always deliver on great drama. And that's the nature of a golf tournament. Sure. But you uh, never know when you're going to get a great tournament. And this just so happened to be a wonderful golf tournament terrific. that also happened to be one of our favorite tournaments and, it, and a major. And this tournament was really good the whole time. Yeah, totally. You know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily as dramatic as some of the other ones before Sunday because there weren't a ton of different guys in the hunt. But I thought it was the perfect amount of bad weather, not too much but not too little. Mm -hmm. It was some interesting storylines like Montgomery on day one and, uh, you know, some... You know, it was it was actually a pretty top heavy leaderboard. A lot of really high in the world ranking guys mm -hmm. doing well, but um, the golf course was outstanding. It was so good. I thought it was great. I I had read some articles. I I can't remember. I can never remember who the author is of these articles that I read. So I, I apologize if I'm not giving somebody their their due credit. But it was me. Um, <laughs> somebody ranked the, the courses in the open rotation in terms of you know their in, enjoyment level. And Royal Troon was pretty low, so I kind of braced myself. But after watching that tournament, I was like, "God damn, that's so much better than I'm, like at least three quarters of the ones that I've seen lately." Uh, how about every one that's in England? Do they still Birkdale, St. George's? Like, they, do they still go to Royal Lytham and St. Anne's and St. Anne's? <laughs> I believe so. Oh, that one's this, terrible. This course was St. George's substantially better than Saint, all of those. St. George's horrible. Yeah, they're they're not good. Uh, yeah, terrible. So. They need to go to this one more often. I mean, let's let's stick to Scotland. Yeah, and, yeah please, uh, please. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I w I was very happy with the golf course. I was very happy with the way the whole championship went. Uh, anyway, tremendous in every way. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I my office gets a copy of the New York Times. I don't know why, but it does. You got to keep up on things. Got to waste coast. Got to okay. waste money on something. Yeah, sure. And. Uh, I, I leafed through the sports page of that and right on, you know, it was a, a beautiful, appropriately devoted spread on the cover of that thing. <laughs> but, you know, it was funny that there were, there were two separate articles on the cover about how great this tournament was. Mm -hmm. But in the write-up of it, I don't think Stenson's name appeared in it until like the fourth paragraph. Is that what? <laughs> it was all just about how well Mickelson played. And it was... It's the way the author structured it, so it would lead up to the fact that he didn't win, right? Which is kind of an you know an amazing way to look it at it. It is pretty but, amazing that he didn't but win. But I feel sorry for poor Stenson. Like <laughs> the fucking guy has one of the absolute greatest performances in the history of the sport. Privileged to to have seen it, and uh, he can't even get in the first paragraph of the <laughs> lead article on it in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. I uh, it's funny. I saw a tweet, a tweet, tweet, tweet. tweet on uh, Sunday morning by infamous Sports Center anchor Scott Van Pelt. And uh, the foresight was just, just fantastic. I just wanted to give him a little shout-out. And he said, in perfect weather, a 63 is out there. In this weather, 73 is a good score. The RNA are just as happy with either. I appreciate that approach, and I could not agree more. Of course. That was, it just, he, he hit the end. What happened? Henrik shot 63. And a lot of people in the field shot 73. That's right. It's pretty wild. 
And yeah. that that actually well, might have been Saturday. He said that because I think the weather was a little. But I mean, you know, well, hey, the same same applies. If you take a championship length golf course, no matter how easy the conditions are, really, and you get like ten guys out there, even mm-hmm. ten of the best professionals in the world, yeah. some somebody's going to shoot seventy three. Yeah. Well, I mean, in perfect weather, sixty three is out there. They got great weather on Sunday, and right. Henrik shot a sixty three. And in the poor weather, I mean, that's the thing. You lose sight with how difficult this this tournament was just by watching Henrik and Phil because they were so unbelievably good. I mean, third place, we, we said it was, what, 11 strokes behind Phil? At six under, right? Six under? I mean, Which and, is and that not is a, that a great, great for score. the Open Championship. It, it's definitely great play. Yeah, but, but they had bad weather a lot, of, you know, for a good portion of the tournament. And, you know, minus six, that's a good score. Now... It's bullshit that J.B. Holmes finished third place. Oh, my God. I mean, not that I have anything against J.B. Holmes, was, but who the fuck wants J.B. Holmes to be finishing third place in a major? He was kind of a popular a popular pick mm-hmm. among the, the intelligentsia. Intelligentsia. But nobody, I mean, it's just annoying. It is annoying. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. J.B. Holmes, Steve Stricker. Th- that's your 3-4. Another that, guy who was popular somehow. I've always liked Steve Stricker. Um well, somehow, it's boring, but I like him. Wasn't there a stat that this is his best finish in a major since 1999 or something? I, I hadn't heard or, or seen anything like that, but I I believe it. Yeah, I mean, he's got a bunch of top tens and stuff, but I guess this is his best finish yeah. since then. I don't know how everybody saw that coming, but a lot of people did. I guess so. Yeah. I saw some fucking guy on DraftKings. Did you see that message that our buddy sent us? I did. For well, the lineup know, that some... There's tens of thousands of entries. He had Henrik, I would have Phil, had J.B. Holmes, Steve Stricker, and Sergio. I would have had that if I had just had my, my spreadsheets working. <laughs> Excel wouldn't open for me the night before. Um, I, can, can, we, can we throw a little bit more love at Henrik before we, we move on to some, some other parts of the tournament? Of course we can. I, I, I definitely want to mention how he took his shirt off and he looked, looked really good. Uh, here's, I, I got a good story. So I, I read something uh, from Jeff Shackelford on Golf Digest. He was the person that Henrik ended up trying to hide behind. Oh. You know, he just so happened to be standing there, and Henrik... He Finally, a journalist looked, is useful. Yeah. <laughs> he he said that Henrik just started walking towards him, and he didn't know what happened. And he's like, hey, uh, cover me. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he goes... And he starts to take it off, and he's thinking to himself, you know, oh, I thought golfers were pretty superstitious. Like, I thought Henrik, he's, he's one hole away from winning the Open Championship. He's going to mix things up right now? And Henrik looked at him and goes, I'm sorry. I'm hot. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, is he talking about the golf or is he talking about his personal temperature? Oh, it's I hope, clearly both. Yeah, it's clearly both, which is like, God, the fucking coolest guy ever. Like, what a, yeah. what a great line. Well, see, I was so convinced that after that, he, he was looking kind of nervous. And you think when a guy takes his shirt off, like maybe he's nervously sweated through the shirt. Uh, and that's pass, why he pass, needs a new shirt. Me. So I was like, okay, is he going to fuck up? And he hit the he uncorked a 210 yard shot, basically 280 yard three wood. No, not on 17. Oh, d- I thought he took it off on 18. No, it's 17. It, was, it was 17. He it took was it 17. off. 17. Interesting. So um, he, um, he I apologize for Mark McGuire misremembering. He just knocked. Yeah, right. <laughs> he just knocked it stiff, is what he did on a very long par three with uh, the open <sighs> hanging in the balance. Yeah, I mean, fuck that guy was so. I mean, it it was really really fun to watch Henrik he just did, yeah. demolish that golf course. Well, this this has become the year of, you know, the best players never to win a major getting the monkey off the back. Totally. Totally. And I don't mean Danny Willett. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Dustin Johnson <laughs> and... 
Henry Stenson. <laughs> Although Willett is good, don't get me wrong. Sure. But he hasn't really paid his dues. You know, uh, not necessarily. Compared to those guys. But, you know, poor Lee Westwood. Like, now he's back to being the best player ever to win a major. A couple of guys. And, and well, Sergio, of course. Poor That'll Lee never Westwood. Happen. Now, I feel bad because I've really enjoyed saying that these guys are never going to win a major. But maybe I just am wrong. Is Sergio now going to win the PGA? I don't think so yeah but you know you know i had said that stenson is like a profanity before will, this tournament i will say this you know do you know where dustin johnson finished i think he finished like two under so he probably finished Tied like, for ninth yeah another top 10 yeah well everybody that's he, just what he, he never, does he never finishes outside the top 10 it's crazy that i mean he does only have one major but the dude is so solid that even when he's not playing you can mark it in pen, but he did he's finish in the top ten. Eighteen strokes off the lead. Well, you know, you can add that little comment, and it makes it sound worse. But he was still better than all but eight other people in the tournament. Yeah, that's pretty good. It is. It is. Um, so I don't know. It was impressive. I, but Sergio finished uh, what, like fifth, sixth? Sergio tied for fifth at four under. There you go. Final round, sixty-nine. A Baltus roll. We're we're coming up. By the way, it's possible. It's less, and only a week and a half away. It's, it's t- like ten days away. I cannot wait. I'm, I, they had to ha- they had to push it up because of the Olympics, right? Is that what happened? Yeah, I'm literally going to go into a mild state of depression when the PGA Championship's over because I've just loved having all this major championship golf just sandwiched into such a small little amount of time that it's just it's so overwhelmingly awesome that when it's all over, I might have some withdrawals. Well, this year it's going to be a longer drought than ever. It's yeah. going to be over eight months between the PGA and the Masters. That doesn't seem right. No. No, that doesn't seem right at all. Um, jumping back on topic, our boy Soren Kjeldsen had a top ten. We were right about some stuff. We were right about some stuff. Um, Soren Kjeldsen, that was a good pick. Most of our other picks obviously didn't pan out. They were just middling. Yeah. A lot of middling picks from us. Um, Rory, tie for fifth. <laughs> 67 on Sunday, they four pick, under. We didn't pick him. We didn't pick Rory, but I mean, what did you think of Rory's performance? And really, what I'm actually I loved asking, when he broke the club. Yeah, what I'm asking is, what did you think about him snapping the head off his three-wood? He seems like a guy who's not exactly that thrilled to be engaged. <laughs> like, a lot of the times, the, uh, the pressures in a guy's personal life get taken out on golf clubs and caddies and <laughs> spectators and reporters. And I think... Rory doesn't exactly strike me as a guy who is uh, completely uh, at ease. No, in his mind. No. Um, I will say this though: it. Yeah. You and I have both both broke golf clubs, kind of like that, within the last six months. And I got to say, his was way more impressive than mine. Yeah, but don't our, you- our, ours were kind of light. You know, where we were very frustrated, we kind of tossed it up in the air. But his was straight into the ground, and yeah, it just. Why- thing just <laughs> Yeah, but if you're him, and you've got four majors, <laughs> why? And you got a bunch of money, and you're, you know, on camera. Why break a club? You're not even going to win. No. So it didn't make a ton of sense to me why he cared so much about that. It still is nowhere near as good as the time he helicoptered his club, his three iron, like 125 yards into Donald Trump's pool. Yeah, it's so dope. <laughs> what did you think about Thomas Peters? Uh, blow up on the 11th. That was good. We just snapped the club over his knee and then threw the fucking remains into the gorse. That was good. That was good a, for him. That was a savagely good little meltdown. I like I liked that one quite a bit. I I can't remember actually 
the last time I saw somebody snap a club over their knee, baseball bat style. Hey, you know what? Last time I remember it, it was Henrik Stenson at the Open Championship. <laughs> yes. On the 18th hole. Oh, way to bring was, that thing full circle. It was probably <laughs> about. It was probably about five years ago. Uh, and I think it might have been the second round or something like that. And mm-hmm. he was in the right rough, and I don't even know what he did, but he was hitting a recovery shot out of there. Mm-hmm. And then he just hauled off, and he snapped the shit out of that club mm-hmm. right over his knee. Didn't even change facial expressions when he did it. Yeah, The thing snapped in half like it hit against a, a rod of plutonium. <laughs> uh, did you... Uh, I mean... Henrik's performance was so, so good. I mean, he, he was the only... Phil, despite a 63 and a 65 on Sunday, did shoot 70 on Saturday. Oh, how terrible. I know. Only one under. Henrik went 68, 65, 68, 63. Oof, Ricardo. <laughs> what do you... And by the way, uh, I do want to give you props from that wonderful line that you dropped last week when you said Royal Troon's a lot like marriage. It starts off easy and downwind, and then things go, things turn real quickly, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're broke. And I did see some stat. Uh, it might have been mid-Sunday saying that for the whole championship, all the players collectively were plus 60 on the front nine and plus 600 and oh, something on the back nine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. That... That 11th hole and the kind of stretch that followed and, and was brutal. I, 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 am I getting it right? 11, the one with that really awesome blind tee shot that had that bunker kind of there in the foreground on the left-hand side that you're kind of trying to hit it right over the right edge of that I bunker? so. That is the meanest-looking tee shot I've maybe ever seen. That is so intimidating, and the dudes just got crushed. It's the same spot. Thomas Peters broke that club over his knees because he went a little bit left, and it he fucked it up. And I, I still, you know, it's probably just a psychological thing, but I, because of how well Stenson and Phil played... You almost didn't even notice how difficult the, that was? I come away from watching this championship not even really thinking the course was hard. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because I just saw guys just bang it real hard <laughs> the whole time I watched. <laughs> it didn't even matter to them. They really had their like, way with it. They, I mean, on Sunday, they were at least two-thirds of the screen time as they should as have they been, been yeah. of course but totally but so your viewing experience i i hardly saw any bad shots it, it was I, 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 I saw nobody struggle mm-hmm. because i was just watching excellence yeah pretty much the whole time so i i, I know what the numbers were and it was a very stout test but mm-hmm. I come away as a viewer thinking that this golf course was kind of a pushover. Wow. So I understand the difference between reality and perception. When you got first and second place going 65-63 on Sunday, that's that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you don't even see that at the career builder. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I mean, PJ West, who gives a fuck? Anyway, um, some last-minute thoughts or some, some final thoughts on the rest of the leaderboard. A, well, I wish I had taller socks. Every... <laughs> Every uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm reading um, from the different various publications, they keep telling me that a folk hero has emerged from this this championship, and that there's oh, there's a lot of glow. A, the beef, a, yes, beefman, the beef Johnston, Andrew Johnston, the beef. Everybody's saying that he's he's now one of the favorite players on tour. What what are your thoughts on the beef? Everyone's gonna forget about him in yeah. a couple of weeks. I like him. He seems like a nice guy, but nice beard. Uh, you know. Pretty fucked up grill. He looks like he could chew through a wrought iron gate. 
Yeah, I mean, he intimidates me <laughs> slightly, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I mean, come on. People are just, they, they dehumanize heavy people. He's a short, chunky version of the James Bond character Jaws. Well, it's just like if he if he weren't a little bit rotund, <laughs> nobody would be making him. It's like it's like oh look at how cute you know it's kind of, I kind of resent this it. This beefy little beef is, yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> you know, just not treating him like a man. I mean, yeah. just treat him like a man. Treat him. But like he has a, a he has a great personality. Yeah, and uh, obviously played amazingly. But I'm not sure, in from a golf standpoint, how many more times we're going to see him contend if he if he becomes a regular contender then i think he uh will have the commensurate attention sure let's not get ahead of ourselves well i I think part of it has to do with that you know he's english and you're playing in the open championships there's a little bit of love that kind of just goes with being you're gonna be separate countries before long yeah yeah that's pretty wild stuff after brexit (laughs) the scottish uh none too happy about the screw job none too stoked no no not at all well perhaps that's what that hopefully that will be how they get all those shit-ass English courses out of the open rotation. Good idea. Oh, you know what? You make a fair point. Brexit. Although can it be Wonderful. Ro- Bring it on. Although can the RNA be royal Ooh. if it doesn't involve England anymore? Oh, excellent point. Maybe it'll just be the ancient. The ancient call association. The A. <laughs> the blank and A. We should, we're going to start a trend. From now on, on the Golf Guide podcast, they will be referred to as the A. The A. The A. <laughs> By the way, how perfect was that guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're always perfect, the RNA guys. Yeah. But the guy no, who VA guys. Right, excuse me. Yeah. Uh the guy who uh you know, began the ceremony mm-hmm. on the eighteenth hole. Mm-hmm. I never saw a guy who was so fucking boring <laughs> and and like buttoned up and like you saw him walk if you see him walking down the street or you hear him talk for five seconds, you don't know who he is, you'd be like this guy is a high-ranking golf official. <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have thought anything else. If I had seen him in street clothes, you know, in, in right. downtown Glasgow, I would have been like, yes, yes. Yeah. Rules official of sorts. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what a pleasure that was. That was great, man. What a great tournament. You got any uh, last thoughts on that really wonderful 145th Open Championship? What a pleasure that was. Yeah. Totally. That I, wasn't. He wasn't repeating it. I'm just repeating myself. What a pleasure that was. What a pleasure. I'm sure you all pleasured yourselves <laughs> during it, like I did. Oh man, that was so good. Well, the good news is, we get a PGA Championship preview to do next week, so we're going to come right back next week with some more well, major championship love. Well, here's the funny thing about that: because of the Stenson gasm that <laughs> happened, is he going to be the Vegas favorite for the PGA. I'm because he won't be. No, but I, I mean it's got to be Dustin Johnson or Day. Right, it has to be. In fact, it probably is going to be Jason Day. Right, I think he that, was this time. Yeah, I think that has to be the Vegas favorite to win. Meanwhile, I'd rather bet on Stenson. Well, if he's if, playing, he's playing so well right now. Why? It, it's how tough. Can you, It'd be tough to you, bet against him. Yeah, and I, I guess I kind of feel like a sucker, but why the hell not? Like, Man, we've really the guys shot really out done a huge one eighty since last week. <laughs> of course. Now it's the same 180. I you had and a, me both. It's the same 180 I had about Johnson. Yeah, I would never would bet on him ever. Yeah. Well, actually, we said he was a good bet for the U.S. Open. To we be honest say, with you, yeah. but <laughs> but uh, I never would have thought he would win. Let's put it that way. Right. But but uh, now I'm I'm at liberty to bet on him because he's shown that he can do it. I I don't like to pick first time winners, but 
the the reason Stenson really should be the pick is because it's like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. The guys won twice in major tough field events. Totally. Uh, in the last month and a half. Yeah. And there's no reason not to bet on him and Johnson to a degree. Sure. You know, we're back in the United States. We're at Baltusrol. To be is, fair, I like J-Day. I can tell you right now I like J-Day going to the PGA really? Championship. Really? He Def- hasn't shown me enough lately. Defending champion, he... I, I will say this. I didn't pick him to do well in the Open Championship at all. Simply because it, Lynx golf does not suit neither his of, game. Yeah, neither of us really talked up Day. No, I mean... Although he almost won the Open last year. Yeah, which is very, very impressive. But you just think a guy who hits the ball that high and just, you know... It, in the wind and out in the elements and Lynx golf where you're trying he kind of has he a plays fu- he plays everything in the air which is not bad i wish i could play like jason day but it just doesn't seem very conducive to Lynx golf and he, that's why i didn't really consider him but you know uh, to be in contention beforehand but you know that phrase fuck you money i i, sir, I mean i'm not familiar with it it's, personally but i am familiar with the term yeah of course <laughs> neither am i but you know, there there are people who have money, and then there are people who have fuck you money. Like, so much money that they don't even need to observe the ordinary rules of society. We're all familiar with, with that phrase. Sure. There are guys who have fuck you golf. J.A. Like, is one of those They're men. not just really good players. They don't just have money. They have fuck you golf, golf skills. Which basically means fuck you whatever course I'm playing on. It doesn't matter. Tiger Woods had fuck you golf. Many, many other people had fuck you golf. Jason Day seems to me to have fuck you golf. Like, it really doesn't matter at all where they're playing. As you say this, I realize how foolish my my previous statement was. Because he does... He's the world number one for a reason. Yes. Best fucking golfer alive right, right now. Yeah. On that note, everybody, we hope you enjoyed the Open Championship as much as we did. Wonderful golf tournament. We will be back next week um, with an... PGA Championship preview, uh, yeah, next Thursday. Baltus well, and, and it, it all and begins. A, and a Canadian Open recap. Of course, of course. You know, J-Day, also RBC, reigning champion. RBC sponsor. Back-to-back weekends. Right. All right, on that note, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We thank really appreciate you. it. If you get a chance, I know this is asking a lot, but if you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. It would be very, very helpful. If we can get enough reviews, then somehow... As somebody explained it to me, we can actually have a rating, and if we have a rating, we can somehow be featured in some sort of iTunes bullshit. I don't know how it works. I'm just asking that if you like the podcast, I will request 30 seconds of your time to leave us a review. If you say something funny, I'll read it on the next podcast. There's a little incentive. 30 30 seconds sounds like a long time. I wouldn't do it. I apologize. On that note, do it. Don't do it. We don't care. As long as you keep listening, you're in good standing with us. Everybody, thank you so much. We will be back next week. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Enjoy the Canadian Open. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.